Welcome back to All Things Mysterious, where we talk about true crime, paranormal, and the unexplained. I'm Matt. I'm Jordan. We've got a fun, fun, fun day planned. I'm sure we do. Jordan, do you remember last week? So well. Well, this week it's going to be nothing like that. Yeah. Matt already informed me of what we're doing today. No, I didn't. I lied to you. Matthew! <laughs> I'm going to throat punch you. <laughs> I literally told her that I was going to, we're going to play another game like we did. I was going to throat punch you so hard. It was worth it. I'm going to throat punch you. No more games. No more games that I lose. Well, I'm, the fans really like that, so. I'm sure the fans love watching me fail. We're going to, we're gonna, definitely going to bring that back at some point. I'm sure that we will. And I'm going to, I don't know, learn some obscure, random, true crime stuff. Mm-hmm. Catch myself up. You better start studying. I have to for all the random crap that you keep oh, pulling. I've already got several that I've... Great. But have you ever just got into like, like one week I'm into paranormal and then next week I'm kind of really into true crime... You know, I mean, I kind of do the same thing. Everything. Well, this week, I'm kind of into cryptids. Cryptids! Awesome, awesome things. So, today, what I'm calling, and for all future ref- episodes, at least for the time being, until I get bored of it. <laughs> Which will be five minutes from now. Got Probably. it. Um, no, because there's definitely some more cryptids I want to cover. Um, I've got four of them today. Mostly because, like, I, I was gonna just do one, but one that's gonna take forever. I'll <laughs> be like a that would take so long. Be about a two-year series, and two. As good as I am, like stretching stuff out to make them longer. <laughs> <laughs> Even I wasn't good that good to get this stretch out. That's uh, fair. So today I've got four of them, and you're gonna love this because some of them are very hard to say pronounce. Yes, I love it when you struggle. <laughs> Uh, in fact, I've been practicing this first one. <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's just get into it. The first one, and let me know if you ever heard of this, a Cadborosaurus. If you're saying it right, no, I have not. <laughs> I am saying it right, actually. Did uh, you? Did yes. you look it up? Yes, I did. <laughs> a Cadborosaurus. No, I have, I have not heard of it. <laughs> okay. Well, today we're going to embark on a mysterious journey into the depths of the Pacific Northwest waters in search of the elusive sea serpent. Ooh, a sea serpent. Don't interrupt me. No, I'm going to interrupt <laughs> you because you interrupt me sometimes. So I'm going to interrupt you. Of the elusive sea serpent. Serpent. Sea serpent serpent. See, you messed me up. Too bad. In search of the elusive sea serpent, Cadborosaurus, affectionately known as Caddy. Caddy? Caddy. Caddy! (laughs) So before we dive into the enigma that is Cadborosaurus, let's set the stage. Picture the misty shores of Cadboro Bay in greater Victoria, British Columbia. Because as always, we've all been there. 
Yeah, we all have. All of us, we've definitely been there. Very picturesque. I'm envisioning it in my head right now. Not going to lie, I did look up pictures of this place. Um, it is actually a pretty beautiful, beautiful area. Um, so, here among the waves, locals and sailors alike have reported sightings of a creature that defies explanation. Cadborosaurus got its name from this very bay, and its lore has been deeply woven into the cultural fabric of the religion. Or region. Religion? <laughs> it's a religion now. I mean... Close enough. Pretty much is, really. Um, of the region. The word Cadboro itself pays homage to the indi- indigenous roots of the area, adding a layer of mystique to the elusive marine mystery. Yeah. Um, Cadboro is such a weird... like. Almost every time I think of that, like Cadbury eggs. Yes. Cadbury cream <laughs> eggs. Like, and that's Those what are my... weird. They're so good though. Oh, I love them. Like them, the cream is weird. They it's a actually textural nightmare. I mean, now they they're definitely different now than they used to be. Um, I don't like them as much now because the cream does taste different. Not as good. Texturally strange for me, and I don't like that. Yeah, I like it. Anyway. <laughs> now I'm hungry for some cabaret eggs. Um, so, legend has it that indigenous communities spoke of sea creatures resembling Cadbor- Cadborosauruses in their folklore, attributing mystical qualities to these creatures. Why do I mess up on the easiest words? You get two in your head or something. I, do. I don't know. Like, I, I get so focused on making sure I get the hard words Night that <laughs> the easy I, ones yeah. are just <laughs> okay and then i'm also trying to like look ahead while i'm reading so all right early european encounters further fueled the myth with explorers explore <laughs> okay with <laughs> explorers sorry. documented mysterious encounters with sea serpents in these very waters you did it yay uh <laughs> So, essentially what these are, are, or what they're said to be, is basically sea serpents. Uh, I gathered. Like Loch Ness Monster, kind of. Except for not as cool, honestly. That's boring. <laughs> I know. The less cool version of the Loch Ness Monster. I mean, you honestly probably like it, because it's basically just like a giant snake. Oh, that is cool. That is cool. Yeah. That's why I hate it. I'd go see it. Frankly. Um, I'd go search for that before I'd go search for ghosts. Well, too bad. We're going to the ghosts. I want to go see this Cadborosaurus thing. I thought I was going to say that bad. <laughs> you say that one more time? No, I cannot. <laughs> so, Jordan, fast forward to the present day. Are you there? Good. Yes. Henry. In the place that I've been so many times, obviously. <laughs> And reports of the Cadborosaurus sightings persist. Fishermen, tourists, and even filmmakers claim to have glimpsed this elusive creature. But the descriptions vary. From a serpent with humps to a creature with a horse-like head. Snake with a horse head. Eh, depend on who you ask. 
Very mythical. I like it. Literally, there's that's like the serpent with the humps, you know, is just like a regular kind of like Gyarados. It's the best way I can describe it. Okay, (laughs) so totally following you here. Oh, don't tell me you don't know Pokemon. I know, I know the snaky one. Gyarados. Okay, that's that one. I don't know Pokemon. The water snake. Don't know Pokemon. I don't. You have disappointed me. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I don't do Pokemon. I know which one Pikachu is. That one doesn't even count. (laughs) Don't judge me. My daughter overhears that she's going to (laughs) murder. She loves Pikachu. Uh, Okay. Are these credible Simons or the result of overactive imaginations? Could be I don't both. care. Moving on. F you. <laughs> they could be both. It's been a while since I've done that. <laughs> I hate you so much. But I mean... Okay. So the reason I like cryptid so much is because... I do think a lot of it, there's a lot of truth in it. Uh... And I, I do believe, you know, we've talked about this before, I believe, where, you know, there's so much we don't know about the world that we live in. Especially in the water. Yeah. Yeah. The water, I think it's like, what, less than 10% we've actually explored. Exactly. Because uh, we don't have nearly as much equipment to look in the water as we seem to be able to do with the air in the sky. So, I mean, I will not ever say that one of these creatures don't exist because I don't know. I mean... I think it's possible. Now, do I think that some of these people are just making stuff up? Yeah, definitely. I'm sure there's a few of them at the very least that are just looking for some sort of credibility. Yeah. But I also think that there's probably a good handful that truly believe at the very least that they saw something. If they didn't actually see something that they truly believe that they did. Now, also, you know, look at it like this. Just because it existed at one point doesn't necessarily mean it still exists today. Exactly. Um, so that's also something to keep in mind. But um, so one particularly controversial piece of evidence is the Hag- Haglin film, Haglin film, whatever, from 1937, captured by Niels Haglin. This film allegedly shows a sea serpent in British Columbia waters. However, its authentic- authenticity remains hotly debated among ep- experts. How would you be able to fake that back then, though? I mean, it, it really wouldn't be that hard. I mean, think about it. 1937, cameras aren't exactly going to be the greatest in the world. Um, and, you know, you could have somebody in the water who's, you know, got like a, they made like a giant snake and they've just got it like a pole that's lifting the head up. <laughs> yeah, but still, I feel like that would be really difficult to not make it look mechanical. I mean... But again, it's 1937, so you gotta, like, it's got, like, one pixel. That's fair. So, it's not like you're gonna see a whole lot anyways. (laughs) You have a point. Um, Which, I don't know why he was filming. I mean, 1937, you gotta take into account, this is not like today where you just film random stuff. That's 100% true. It's not like every day where now we have smartphones out just filming random stuff. I mean, you would have to intentionally be trying to record something. And then why why would you be filming this lake for, or, you know, this bay for no apparent reason? 
Do we know why he, why he was filming? No. I mean, I'm sure it says somewhere, but I didn't really care. Job. Great research. Proud of you. I know. Um, no, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of questions and I mean. I tried to stop that. Uh, <laughs> forgot what button to push for a second. Oh, well. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean. I actually looked at this video and I probably should have saved on my phone so I could have showed you. Uh, not compelling evidence. <laughs> uh, AKA it looks like crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you remember, uh, have you ever seen the uh, Loch Ness Monster video? Yes. It's worse than that. Ooh. <laughs> uh, okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. And Loch Ness Monster video, I mean... It's also not the most compelling. It's... Yeah, I, I'm, I would give it, like, 30% compellingness. I mean, honestly, I'm... The Loch Ness Monster one, I'm pretty sure that one's faked. Uh, it just seems... Too rigid. Yeah. So, and this one is... I mean, it doesn't necessarily look faked, but it doesn't necessarily look real either. That makes sense. Um, so... That's and obviously that's why it's one of the most controversial piece of evidence when it comes to Cadborosaurus. Yeah, I can say it. Proud of you. <laughs> so now let's turn our attention to the scientific realm. Something that Jordan hates. I don't hate the scientific <laughs> realm. It just, I hate trying to explain yeah. it. <laughs> so marine biologists proposed that what witnesses perceive as Cadborosaurus could be misidentification of known marine animals or fish, eels, or large marine animals may explain some sightings. But is this the whole story? I mean, I'm sure that would take care of a, a couple sightings, probably. Yeah. But not all of them. So now we get into cryptozoologist, Which, at the very least, they got the coolest name in the world. Yeah, they do. <laughs> cryptozoologist. Uh... Those are, they studied unknown animals present, present a different perspective. Um, obviously, cryptozoologists aren't exactly welcomed in the scientific community. I can only imagine why. We but, study in animals that we can't prove exist. Yeah. But I think, honestly, cryptozoology is an important study because it... Now, we've talked about this before, like how... Science tries to explain the natural world. Uh, you can't really use science to explain like paranormal and, you know, unnatural stuff. Uh, because it's not natural. Yeah. But, however, uh, I mean, these are animals. At the, No matter what, they're some kind of animal. You would think. At some point, you would think that you would find some sort of skeleton or remains or something along those lines. Yeah. Unless, I don't know, it's just weird. But, I mean, think about it. You know, dinosaur remains, we just started finding those, you know, what, 150 years ago? Good thing. So, I mean, uh, dinosaurs died millions of years ago. And, you know, we just now found their remains. And we haven't even found all of them yet. So, I mean. That's a fair point. But still. But, yeah, I mean. They are at the bottom of or ocean or something that is going to make it significantly more difficult considering we have not explored all of it yeah and that's why honestly i believe 
you know, like the marine ones fascinate me the most because those are the ones that are, one, more possible because obviously there's so much of the ocean and, you know, waterways that we haven't explored yet. And two, literally they could die right in front of you and they just sink to the bottom. Uh, I mean, obviously they may float and depend on decomposition and stuff, but... Yeah, but they're not going to float for forever. No. And it would take kind of somebody exactly being right there to see it. Yeah. So, could Cadborosaurus be an undiscovered species swimming in the uncharted depths of the ocean? The unknown always beckons, challenging our understanding of the natural world. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> so beyond the scientific debates, Cadborosaurus has left an indelible mark on the, the culture of the Pacific nor Northwest. Local legends, artwork, and literature bear the influence of this mysterious sea serpent. And in popular media, from books to documentaries, Cadborosaurus continues to capture the imagination. But why does this cryptid, the sea serpent, hold such a sway over our collective consciousness? It really is. Um, is it the thrill of the unknown or a deep-seated connection to the mysteries that lie beneath the waves? The mystery of Cadborosaurus lingers. Whether folklore, eyewitness accounts, or scientific exploration, Caddy keeps us captivated. And think about this. This is what fascinates me about this. Almost every mythology that you, t you, you can think of right now has some kind of sea serpent. Yeah, they really do, actually. I was thinking about that earlier. Yeah. Pretty uh, much everything has some sort of sea serpent. It's the most common, you know, the most common one, honestly. I'd say, you know, between all the... I can't even think of it. And I'm sure there probably is one, and I'm going to have somebody Well, and if that. you think about it, we know that sea serpents exist, not necessarily in the form of a giant one, but yeah. we know that, like, sea snakes exist. Yeah. So the... The fact that a giant one may exist is not honestly that out of the realm of possibility. Oh, it's really not. And I mean, you know, anacondas, for instance, are, you know, very large snakes. And they uh, are water snakes. Yeah. Now, I'm probably not as much as what Cadborosaurus is said to be, but... They are very large and they yeah. are more or less water snakes. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's why, like, I, I truly love... Love, love, love the aquatic cryptids because I think they're the most fascinating. Like, the only one that I really don't care about is the Loch Ness. Which, that's one that I'm definitely not going to be doing because I do not like that one at all. Uh, Too mainstream for you. No, it's just there's a lot of words in there that I can't pronounce. <laughs> Come on, I did the Atlov Pass. You can do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I, I think. It's got the most attention, which is would explain why there's the most amount of people who supposedly have seen it. That makes sense. Uh, kind of like Bigfoot. Yeah. Bigfoot, I mean... We're going to have to do it. I know, we're going to have to. It's I'll totally popular. do it. Um, and who knows, maybe it's in my cryptid chronicles that I've already got written for the next three weeks. I'm not going to lie, I stayed up... Um, last two nights later than I should have. Believe that? You look tired. I'm very tired. Um, so, that's all for the Cadborosaurus. Awesome oh, name, by the way. Now, 
we're going to go into the cryptid whales. Ooh. And we're going to plunge into the depths of the ocean, exploring the world of cryptid whales. Get ready for a deep sea adventure like no other. Deep sea adventure. Jordan. Don't you, take you know, the Titan submersible. Sorry, you know what the deep sea. Probably too soon. Way too soon. Uh, you've been to the deep ocean, haven't you? We all know what it's like down there. Yeah, sure. Sure have all the time. Just like British Columbia. I sure have. So hold your horses, Jordan. Because before we embark. One horse still. Before we embark on our journey into the mysteries of the cryptid, cryptid whales, let's take a moment to appreciate the vastness of our oceans. Are you appreciating the vastness of I ours? currently am, yes. <laughs> exactly what I was doing. I was taking a moment. Did you know they cover more than 70% of the Earth's surface? Yes. Matter of fact, I did. I'm so glad I told you that so you knew that. I learned that in like... Fifth grade. <laughs> and within their depths, countless secrets await discovery. Yeah, we covered that already. I know. <laughs> now. Oh, God. When we think of whales, majestic giants like the blue whale or the humpback may come to mind, right? Wrong. Good thing I didn't speak. <laughs> Jesus. So, but today, Good thing I wasn't going to say something. Today, we are going to set our sights on the cryptid whales. These elusive, lesser-known creatures that defy tr traditional understanding. Are you ready for this? I don't know if I say something, you're going to cut me off. So well, probably not. You. Talk to me. God, no. this is you're going to cut me off. <laughs> I'm not going to continue until you say it. No. <laughs> the face, you guys. <laughs> we'll see whose willpower is stronger. I don't want to make them wait that long. Because my willpower is plenty strong, but I don't want to make them wait. Are you ready to... Fine, continue. Thank you. No, I forgot where I was at. I just... Jesus Christ. Uh, reports of mysterious whale-like beings have been surfacing for centuries. From folklore to modern-day encounters, these cryptids continue to captivate our imaginations. But what exactly makes a whale a cryptid, Jordan? That's a great question. I have no idea. Thank you for asking. Matthew... So we're going to go back to the depths of the ocean where tales of sea serpents and unknown leviathans have been whispered among sailors for generations. Uh, imagine a creature with the body of a whale, but sporting unusual features challenging our understanding of marine life. I mean, I'm imagining a whale, but I don't know what the rest else means. <laughs> we'll get into it. Uh, one such cryptid is the Black Demon, a creature reported in the waters of New Zealand. Description varies, but witnesses often mention a massive dark-colored whale with un unusual behaviors. 
Is it a new species, a genetic anomaly, or something else entirely? Cryptid whales are not only defined by their physical appearances, but also by their mysterious behaviors. So essentially, if you haven't caught on yet, it's not just one type of... I figured as much. There's okay. multiple. Yeah. Uh, it's basically a group of... Basically just whales that don't... Not necessarily don't look like regular whales, uh, but they don't act like regular whales. Yep. Picked up on oh, that. Okay. Just making sure we're all on the same it's page. It's like here. they're like demon whales or something. Yeah. Oh, that's but one not. of them. There's this one of them? Yeah. There's multiple. <laughs> well, you had it and then you just lost it. <laughs> Essentially, cryptid whales are, it's a group of whales. Uh, not not like a group of like whales together, but it's a... Well, yeah, like a... It's like dogs. How there's multiple breeds of dogs. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting that. Yeah. So cryptid whales, there's multiple breeds of cryptid whales. I'm feeling that and one of them is like a demon whale. Yeah. And then I'm trying to imagine the other ones, but I can't quite get there. Well, we haven't got there yet. Okay, well, I'm listening. We literally just started talking about the demon whales. I'm trying to listen. Being difficult. <laughs> So, um, tales of whales that vanish into thin air, change shapes, or emit strange lights have left, left researchers baffled. That would leave me also baffled, so that's fair. So, in the chilly waters of the Antarctic, reports of a ghostly white whale that glows in the dark have surfaced. That would be neat. That's neato. It would also probably terrify me, but that's neato. <laughs> Is this a natural bioluminescent phenomenon, or are we witnessing the presence of an otherworldly being? Which I think it's just a whale that can go in the dark. I mean, bioluminescence isn't that rare. No, it's not, but that's still Although, really cool. Yeah. For something that big to be a bioluminescent would be actually pretty groundbreaking. Oh, it'd be really groundbreaking, um, but that's freaking cool. So, um,. So as we navigate these tales of cryptid whales, let's not forget to explore the scientific perspective. Are these creatures merely misidentified known species or could they represent undiscovered branches of the whale evolutionary tree? And that is why I like this one the most. Me too, because it could be a bunch of different things. Yeah, because I mean, for the most part, obviously, since it's not just one type of thing, I mean, there's, countless different kinds uh some of them could be you know obviously people could just making stuff up uh like i don't see think that there's gonna be a whale that's tele teleporting probably not uh but that also would be neat yeah it really would but i mean this could be just new species of whale that we just haven't discovered yet or it could be some sort of like birth defect yeah. that turned into like an anomaly of some sort oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, for the most part, evolution is just, you know. Exactly that. Birth, yeah, essentially it is. birth defects. Uh, that turn for, into a strength yeah. over time. Yeah, or if it ends up being a strength, then it, you know, exactly. on. But, uh, so, I mean, to me, this is like, out of all these, this is the one that's kind of the most. Um, a bowl? Yeah. And that's why it's also hard. This one was the hardest one to do because, like, there's so many stories. Like, I, I literally probably, this is one of the ones that I probably could have done a whole episode on just talking about all the different versions. Uh, there's more than I can count. 
That's neato. It is, but it also makes it really hard to kind of sift through the obviously, you know, BS ones and the ones that are possible. Like I, I, I like the one in Antarctic, you know, the, the glowing white whale. That one to me seems like it's possible because we know bioluminescent animals exist. Yeah, we do. We 100% know that those exist. And that definitely is a thing that could happen, especially over time and in that environment. And then the black demon, which is just basically, you know, a massive dark, you know, black whale that. Yeah, that's something I can imagine, honestly. Yeah, I mean, just some of these things are just. Whales are smart. They are. Um, so, I mean, we, it, you know, we, we cannot say that these things don't exist because we don't know. I mean, we don't have the full evolutionary tree of whales, obviously. No, we don't. And we know that there's so much of the ocean that's left un- unexplored. Yeah, unexplored and I mean, unknown. I mean, like the Antarctic. I mean, look how many people go up to the Antarctic. I mean, basically just researchers. Uh, Such a harsh environment to search in. And I wouldn't go up there, frankly. I mean, oh, I would. I have a hoodie on and a jacket in here and it's probably 68 degrees and I'm cold. So like there's there's no way I'd live up there, okay? Like I would die. So, um, marine biologists and cryptozoologists like grapple with these questions. Pushing the boundaries of our understanding of marine life. Ocean after all remains one of the last frontiers on our planet. And I I really like that because I mean it really is. Like why people make fun of the you know the titan submersible people but i mean honestly that minus the death part um just being down there would be so freaking awesome it would my only issue with that whole thing was the people that put it together did not well i mean obviously but you know now it would be neat to i'm gonna preface this by saying that i am a very big fan of dark humor uh, as Jordan knows, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think some of the, the whole make fun of, you know, because it's rich people who died on the sub. Um, they still died though. But here's the deal. It's not all rich people. I mean, they're forgetting that the captain of the sub, who was just yep. a regular person, was down there too. Oh, and one of the men's son went down there just because it was her father's. Uh, I mean, it's... But anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. But yep. yeah, I... Got sidetracked. We do that. I honestly would love to go explore the ocean. Uh, because it's so unknown. Like, it's the one place that I would love to explore. Like, I don't like... Like, I couldn't do it I would just I, prefer to do it in something safe. Well, I mean... <laughs> but honestly. no, that would be really neat, though. But, I mean, I don't like something that small. So I'd have to get That's exactly... Bigger my thing i would rather do it in something yeah. a touch larger than that aside from that we're good oh okay i mean that's basically all i got on that one okay uh, well on to the next <laughs> but again like that one was neat though yeah i mean and like i said there's so much to and i may actually one of these days i may do a full episode on this and do some of the ones that i think are the most you know, likely. Uh, well, I especially think that that bioluminescent one really plausible. Yeah, that one. 
that one is really good stories. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's so many that are really cool. Um, and they've, you know, obviously each one of them have their own names and stuff that people have given them, some of them. Um, but overall, really interesting subject. Uh, but since I had to condense it down to like 10 minutes and I'm already at like 15 minutes now. Mostly because of you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, are you ready for the first non-aquatic cryptid? All right, non-aquatic. Brian Wolfs. Ooh. So let's move to the heart of the wilderness to explore the haunting phenom- phenomenon. I don't know why I keep putting I that word in there. <laughs> you keep doing I it. I know. It's a good word, but you can't seem to say it. I can't. Uh... Because I keep, if I keep putting it in, eventually I'm going to have to be able to say it. That's my thinking. And then every single time I regret it. <laughs> um, and here's the part that ticks me off. I literally practice reading all these out loud. I know you do. And, and you I, say it fine. Yeah. Um, so anyways, of crying wolves, buckle up as we dive into the world of howling echoes and eerie whispers. So wolves often portrayed as symbols of the untamed Rome vast landscapes and their haunting cries have echoed through folklore for centuries. But what happens when these cries take an unexpected turn, transforming into something more mysterious and unsettling? Hmm. I'm asking a question. I don't know. Probably something (laughs) nefarious. (laughs) Uh, Just a hunch. But before we get into that, let's set the stage with a glance into the rich tapestry of folklore that surrounds these majestic creatures. I wish y'all could. Soon you will, but you... I'm literally getting into this. Um, He gets so excited. He's like, soon. (laughs) From ancient myths to modern storytelling, wolves have been both revered and feared, embodying the wild spirit of the untamed. Wolves have long been associated with the mysterious qualities with their howls considered both an omen and a song of the wild. But what happens when these howls take on a mournful and inexplicable quality? Such as? Such as reports of crying wolves distinct from regular wolf howls have surfaced in various parts of the world. Witnesses describe these cries as sorrowful, almost human-like, sending shivers down the spine of anyone within earshot. But what could cause what could be the cause behind these haunting vocalizations? Now, first Sad. First off. If I heard a wolf howl and it sounds like a, you know, human-like, I'm going to be getting my ass out of there. Yeah, I would not be going to investigate. <laughs> I don't know, though. <laughs> you've seen, I'm sure you've seen all the videos of, like, a white woman would go and check on that. I am the white woman. Oh, I, yeah. I am the white woman who would go check on it. You would 100%. That is me. I'd be like, oh, my God, 
my baby is dying. I gotta go look and check and make sure it's okay. That is me. I am stupid. I will be the first to say it. I'm gonna go check on the wounded animal and I probably will die and that's probably how I will die. I However. Would, I would, hun- I'm 100% convinced if me and you were ghost hunting <laughs> and we ran into a hellhound, you would be there trying to tame it and bring it home with you. But oh, it would be my baby. Look at the doggy. He's so cute. Jordan, he's gonna kill us. Would totally take a treat from me. <laughs> it would turn you into a treat. No, it would not, because it would love me. Dogs would, love me. It would love chewing on you. Yes, it would. No, it would not, because dogs love me. It's All a hell dogs hell, love not me. a dog. It doesn't matter. It's a dog, and it would love me. I am delusional enough to think this. You really is. <laughs> I, we don't care. I've literally heard a dog growl at her, and she's like, oh, isn't that the cutest dog? You I don't care. It will love me. Jordan, it looks like it's about to murder you. I don't care. No, it loves me. It will love me. It loves me. (laughs) It will love me and I will love it too and it will be fine. (laughs) I am the person that's going to love the dog regardless, okay? I don't care. Wild animal or not, I will love it. (laughs) I send her TikToks all the time about that. I don't care. It will be me. My favorite one is the one where the lady finds (laughs) the... um, was it the coyote the coyote <laughs> and it's taking care of it as a dog i'm like me this is 100 percent. it's a hundred thousand percent me i am that woman uh, except uh, the difference is i would still know it's a coyote and still take care of it well, that's debatable too i would know i'm not that dumb i would just still do it anyways <laughs> Anyway, one intriguing case comes from the deep <laughs> forest of North America, where locals speak of wolves and emitting cries that sound like mournful sobbing. Is this a form of communication, a reaction to the environmental factors, or perhaps something beyond our understanding? Sad. Yeah. So essentially, wolves that can cry like humans. It needs me. Well. <laughs> If anybody had the crying wolf says how Jordan's going to die, you're going to win the pot. You knew this is how it was going to go. I know. That's why I chose this one. Just so everyone will know how you're going to actually die. Oh, God. It will sense my gentle, nurturing heart. It'll sense your heart, all right. As it's eating it. It will know that I'm there to help it. It's sorrow, mournful time. You're definitely going to help it by feeding it. Yeah, I will bring food for it because it's sad and it needs me. The food will be a part of your body. (laughs) (laughs) No need to bring your own food. It's already got it. I am that person. Let's turn our attention to the scientific perspective. Biologists and animal behaviorists have studied wolf vocalizations extensively, but the phenomenon of crying wolves remains largely unexplored. Could there be a scientific explanation for these eerie howls? And no, it's not because you haven't befriended the wolf yet, Jordan. Bad. It needs me. It does not. You don't know that. It needs to eat you, not to anything else. It hasn't figured that out yet. Once you go up to it, it will, trust me. 
don't know that yet. <laughs> Some theories suggest that environmental stressors, changes in wolf populations, or even the presence of other predators might contribute to, to these unique vocalizations. Yet the mystery, mystery persists, leaving room for speculation and wonder. The haunting cries of wolves have not only left an imprint on the scientific community, but have also influenced cultures around the world. From ancient legends to cont contemporary literature and music. So, <clears throat> first things first. I would honestly probably freak out if I heard a wolf crying, you know, like a human, like, uh, and then my next question is, what is, would that even sound like? I actually don't know the answer to that question. Like, I don't, I don't either. Because think I of, can't quite imagine it either. Because in order for them to know that it's a crying wolf. It have to be kind of like a wolf, but also kind of like a yeah. human. It would have to be wolf-like, but also human-like at the same time. And I just, I can't. Honestly, when I was writing this, like, that was the one reason I almost didn't include this one. Because I just could not figure it out. Like, what does it sound like? I don't, I don't Ow. know. I can't believe you just did that. I, know. <laughs> I don't know though. You should have heard I, me last night. Like I I'm, believe you. I'm pretty sure I woke my daughters up and they're like thinking I'm crazy right now because probably so. I, I I just I can't picture it in my head. Like I've tried to, but it's either wolf-like or human-like. It's not have to be a combination of both. Well, I know, but how? Like I don't know. I would imagine it would be just. I don't, I have no idea. I can't imagine it, but. Welcome to the rabbit hole that I went down. I, <laughs> I'm sure your kids were just like, my dad has <laughs> lost it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I like this one just cause it's really kind of interesting. Um, and honestly, it kind of sent me down a rabbit hole. Of like, what would that actually sound like? I don't know. I would just think of like, I don't know if, it's almost kind of mythical, so I would think of it being almost more like a cry and less like a howl. That's why I think that this does, uh, you know, belong in because obviously some people think it's just you know regular wolves that yeah can cry, but I almost think it's like a kind of special type of wolf, like where that's how it howls is you know like that you know like it's it's howl sounds like it's crying. And it could be a com what if it's a completely different animal that just makes a really weird sound. Which, that's why, it, like, honestly, it almost reminds you, like, almost, like, either a Wendigo or a Skinwalker. Yeah, I was thinking, like, what if it's a bird that can mock sounds? Yeah. Because there's so many birds that can mock sounds like that. Uh, why would you mock a sound between a wolf and a crying person? I don't know. I don't but know. birds can make some weird noises, man. I know. It just, it's weird. Um, now, this is my favorite one. The Chupacabra. Chupacabra! The good one. The final cryptid of the night is the creature known as the Chupacabra. The Chupacabra, a name that sends shivers down the spines, but ultimately translates to goat sucker. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I am smart enough to not go up to a Chupacabra. Oh, come on. Like, Chupacabra sounds like it's such a scary name. It does, and then it translates to Ch goat, goat sucker. sucker. <laughs> That's fair. 
this creature steeped in legend and lore has been a source of fascination and fear across the Americas. Mostly, obviously, Mexico. Um, although there has been some stories in, like, New Mexico. Uh, I've even heard some in Yeah, Texas. just across the border. Yeah. Uh, but what exactly is the Chupacabra? And why does it continue to explore the imagination or capture explore? Why it does still it, explores uh, the imagination, kind of. Why does it continue to capture the imagination of many? So, to understand the Chupacabra, we must delve into its origins. Reports of the mysterious attacks on livestock, particularly goats and other small animals, surfaced in Puerto Rico, which was kind of interesting, uh, in the mid-1990s. Which, I'm pretty sure this goes back way further than that. Probably. Uh, but, anyway. Um, the aftermath of these attacks was eerie drain animals drained of blood, puncture wounds, and a palpable sense of unease among the local communities. The chupacabra was described as a creature with reptilian features, sharp spines among its back, and a thirst for the blood of domestic animals. Sightings and stories spread like wildfire, creating a cryptid that would soon become a staple in paranormal discussions. Uh, I've heard many versions of this. Uh, so many. And and I think that's one thing, like, you know, like, especially in Mexico, where, you know, a lot of these lures seem to, you know, there's a, there's a lot of lore. Like, I would like to do that one night, just do, like, a whole... But, It'd be too much for one night. It's a lot. Um, and it's hard to figure out, like, which one comes from here, which one yeah. comes from there. And then there's so many, ver like, every every family has their own version of it. Um, and that's why it would make it so hard to do something like this. But, you know, there's there's a lot of them about the Chupacabra that, that I've heard about and seen. Like, obviously, the main one that probably a lot of people, that it's more like a vampire than anything. Um, well, I've always heard that. Yeah. Uh, but, um, what's I say? Uh, so, as the legend of the Chupacabra expanded beyond Puerto Rico, reports of similar creature sightings emerge in various parts of the Americas. Witnesses describe it as a creature standing on two legs with large eyes, fangs, and spines rep reminiscent of a reptile. Uh, the chupacabra is not confined to a single physical description, however. Different regions have their own variations, adding a layer of complexity to the mystery. Some de describe it as a canine-like creature, while others envision a more extraterrestrial being. See, that's always gotten me, too, because like there's so many different descriptions that I've heard of the chupacabra. Oh, I've yeah. heard it more like a dog. I've heard it more like a reptile. I've heard it more like a bat, I'm going to say. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, I've heard of it as almost like a goat-like vampire creature. Yeah, that's, like, I didn't know how else to describe it, yeah. but yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, and that's what I'm saying is, like, the Chupacabra, then, it is interesting, because, you know, depending on which story you actually go down the rabbit hole of, um, because obviously, like, each region pretty much has their own version of it, um, and honestly, I think it, a lot of it stems from the whole vampire mythology. I mean... Yeah, probably. Uh, the one thing is, is the Chupacabra in most, in most 
He's got he's got a finger held up. He's like most. And most stories don't actually attack humans. Uh, No, it always goes after like small domestic animal goats or yeah, farm animals. Yeah. Um, But there are obviously stories where chupacabra will go after kids and stuff. Um, I've even heard of chupacabra as kind of almost like a Christmas creature too, or a like holiday creature. Where I heard that one. Yeah. There's, uh, there's, like, this is another one that I went down a rabbit hole of. Yeah. Uh, there is so many of them that, again, this is another one that I probably could have dedicated a whole night to and would have went down the rabbit hole and probably bored everybody because it's essentially just taking one story from, you know, a, one region and then taking another story and repeating it and it changes just a little bit. Um, it's almost like the telephone game, essentially. It really is, because it cha- changes just a little tiny yeah. bit, and then you go a little over here, and it changes just a little tiny bit more, but just enough. It's yeah. Ultimately, you can almost see like the direction that it spread out, kind of, because by the way it like changes. Uh, but it still is really interesting, and although that's the one thing that makes this not as believable as most, because unfortunately, if the chupacabra actually existed, it probably would look as similar in every story. I would think so. I remember years and years and years ago, somebody thought that they like caught a chupacabra, but it was like a dog with me. I remember. <laughs> Do you, you remember that? And it was just like, no, honey, I'm I'm pretty sure that that's just a really because yeah. re- I believe they tried auctioning it off. Yeah, and it was just like, <sighs> no, that's just a dog with a bad mate. The worst case of Maine. The Wilder. I'm tired. Um, I get up too late practicing how to howl like a crying wolf. And I'm still going to do that tonight (laughs) when I get home. I will eventually figure it out. Um, So Your poor neighbors are like, what the heck is going on in that house? Luckily, my neighbors aren't too close, so. That's good, because I'm sure they're like, what the heck? Um. <clears throat> Anyways, focus, Jordan, focus. While the chupa... Oh, yeah, while... The... <laughs> I thought I already read this, but I, I did, but you interrupted me, so... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so while the chupacabra remains a creature of folklore, some skeptics argue that the reported attacks on animals can be attributed to more earthly causes. Parasites, diseases, or even feral dogs are proposed as explanations for the phenomena... I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Everybody clapped for Matt. He did it. <laughs> I actually paused and looked at I know, he did. He's so proud of him. <laughs> so despite these scientific explanations, the allure of the chupacabra it persists. The mystery surrounding the creature captures the imagination, sparking debates about the unknown and the unexplained. The chupacabra has transcended its origins, becoming a pop culture phenomenon. You're on a roll. I know. It has appeared in movies, television shows, and literature, and solidifying its place in the pantheon of cryptids. But how has its portrayal in popular media influenced the perception of the creature? So this is one of those stories where it's, Uh, was it the chicken or the egg first? That's entirely true. 
um, like first. I mean, I'm sure there were rumors and stuff about it, but at the same time, like a lot of the deaths and stuff, especially around the farmland, could be attributed to so many things. Could be foxes, could be coyotes, could be natural deaths. I mean, it, it could be so much. Um, I mean, animals die, um, especially farm animals. Ew. And I, I don't know, like... Especially goats, because goats, for whatever reason, especially baby goats, are, like, super, super hard to keep alive for whatever reason. goats, by the way. They're so hard to keep alive! Good. Let them all die. They're so hard to keep alive. Goats I don't, don't know give, why. I don't know why we still keep goats. Goats don't give us anything. Like, have you ever tried goat cheese? It is disgusting. Milk is good. Goat milk is disgusting, too. Goat milk is really good. It's disgusting. You're weird. You're weird. I am weird. Thank you. <laughs> I own it. From being a creature of terror to a subject of curiosity, the chupacabra has undergone a transformation in the eyes of the public. Its image has been both embraced and distorted, contributing to its enduring presence in contemporary discussions of the mysterious and unknown. As we conclude this expedition into the realm of the chupacabra, the mystery remains. Is it a creature of the night, a product of folklore, or something else entirely? I think it could be all of the above. I mean, I think it could exist, but I also think that there's also like a bunch of other things in the night that also kill farming. So I am a big proponent of, you know, like mythology and folklore having some basis in reality. Correct. Um, I obviously like, I don't believe all of it, like, you know, but I do believe that some of it is based on some kind of reality. Uh, so, but which be, one is real? exactly because there's so many different versions. And that, that's the problem with all these. Is it? Is it the dog version? Is it the one that stands on two legs? Is it the one that looks like a reptile? Is it the one that I don't know? Does it drink blood? Like, what does it do? And honestly, that's what fascinates me so much about um, about cryptids in general. I mean, because here's what like a lot of people don't realize is like. Almost every every region, every culture has some kind of cryptid. Like like skinwalkers. Yeah. Skinwalkers for the most part are at least the ones that everybody's you know knows of is you know the Native American version. But there are other other regions and other versions of the skinwalker that are slightly different than that. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it's every single every single one of these cryptids almost have their own versions of them, and there's multiple versions, and it's like it, it almost, has to come from somewhere. Yeah, and it, it does seem like some of them become more popular than others, um, like especially the bigger ones. But then you've got smaller ones. It it seems like it just it's almost like you can see like the evolution of cryptids, or like when they're not very well known. Uh, or they're not as popular, I guess. You kind of hear all the versions, and then once they start becoming popular, it's like one of them becomes super popular, and that's the only one you ever really hear of anymore. True, it's like that one little version of it just gets pushed way up to the top. And that's what fascinates me, because, I mean, ultimately, like, all the versions of, you know, the cryptid, you know, like, Chupacabra, I mean, they all have elements that are similar. I mean, they are different, but they are similar in many ways. 
So obviously something is based in some kind of reality. Um, yeah, it had to start from somewhere, right? Yeah. Kind of like the notion that I'm sure somebody's always heard like the fact that like a rumor usually start, stems from the truth somewhere. A rumor doesn't generally start from absolute. There's rumor usually starts from inkling of truth. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, well, you know, even honestly, even like most stories start, even fiction stories, kind of start with an inkling of truth. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it starts from somewhere. Even if it's just the tiniest little well, bit. You just kind of got to peel away the layers to find the truth in it and see what's actually true. And that, to me, is why I really, truly love cryptids. Because it, it, it's, you go down this rabbit hole. Hmm. Um, and you end up, you know, howling in the middle of the night. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have recorded that. Like... You guys think my brain is like weird. You don't it, even know. Yeah, you don't even know. You don't uh, even know. Yeah, it's. I get random texts, and I'm just like, "What are you doing?" Uh, she she can tell how how I'm like spiraling out of control at times when uh, I send her random TikToks or random texts. Oh, and you do I, you get the same thing from me though. I know, it's a <laughs> like. Okay, I, I gotta tell the recent story real quick. All right. One night randomly, she sends me a text message, <laughs> and she's like, "I did a thing," and sent me a picture of an Amazon order where she bought stuff for our studio that's not even ready yet. And mind you, this was—I think this was actually right before we started recording too. We haven't, you have to understand that we have not, at this point, I have not even cleaned out the shed that we're recording in to start recording in at yet. Like, okay, like we haven't even gotten to that point. But the way that my ADHD works. At 2 a.m. I get a text. in the morning. I did a thing with a screenshot of stuff that she bought. I was excited to start decorating. And here's the thing. None of it made sense. <laughs> like I'm sure it did. Like literally, I'm sure it didn't. I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and look at this text. I'm like, <laughs> what? It, I mean, it took me a minute to realize what it was actually for because no context whatsoever. Nope. That was the only two things. Was I did a thing and then the picture. For the record, this is also kind of how our podcast started. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I did a thing. We'll, 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 one of these days, we'll have a little story time about how we actually decided to start this podcast. It was all ADHD. It pretty much was. It was all ADHD. Uh, but anyways, back so to- So we have some decoration for the podcast, for the for, set, when, when I get the set yeah. set up. Before, and this, I mean, this was before we even decided this to do This was at a least studio. a month ago. Yeah. This was actually way, be, I mean, we had always thought we were going to get some kind of studio. I was just like- for when we do it, yeah. I have stuff for it. Literally. She just bought stuff to I got just... an incense burner. It looks really cool. And and I got a tablecloth. And I got some incense, but I got those only because the box looked really cool. Because I thought that we could set it up after, like behind You're it. You're really not helping yourself in I this. don't care because it looks cool. I thought it would look neat. Oh. And I got some decorations for like the wall because they have like 
skeleton hands that hold candles. I thought it would look neat. Welcome to my world. <laughs> anyway, now, that's what Bat woke up yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, just imagine getting a text. I did a thing, and then the picture of an Amazon order page with no context. <laughs> there was and, a phone case on it too, but that one wasn't relevant. And I don't even. I think you actually just showed me the page of where you actually ordered. So it gave me just like oh, little brief, brief descriptions where I couldn't even see pictures or anything. Probably that I'm sounds like, like me. Like. What the fuck, Jordan? <laughs> and that was literally my response, I believe. Is, I what the fuck, Jordan? I'm pretty sure I responded with, like, I did a thing again. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no. Oh, my God. But you know what, though? When we get a set, it's going to look cool because Matt's trusting me to decorate it. I don't know if it's trusting you as much as it's trusting myself not to do it. It's going to look cool. Eventually, when I get it, I did clean out some of the shed today. It's going to look neato. Top secret. Not top secret anymore. It is, too, because I'm going to cut all this out. <laughs> rude. That's all That's all that's going to be left is you saying rude. Whatever. You, you tell me to do weird shit anytime. I don't know. Uh, so, anyways, that's all I got for tonight. Uh, we will jump back into it next week because I've got some more that I want to share. Excellent. Uh, Look forward to it. So I want to thank everyone for listening and putting up with Jordan. I know she's a handful, but she's somewhat okay. Um, I keep things entertaining. (laughs) Um, Check out the links in the description below. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and uh, wherever you listen to the podcast at, because we're pretty much everywhere. As always, we'll keep you guessing.